Harry Butthole Podcast is produced in partnership with Joy Sauce. Harry Butthole. Welcome to Harry Butthole Podcast. This is a podcast based on the Korean saying, if you laugh while crying, hair grows out of your butthole. I'm your host, Youngmi Mayor. Each week I have a guest on to share a sad story and then we try to laugh about it, making hair grow out of our buttholes. And I just realized that my <laughs> intro was wrong because it's every other week now. So it's every other week I have an episode in case you didn't notice. But this week... I have a very, very, very special guest, one of my most favorite people in the world, and an amazing journalist for NBC News, Kimmy Yam. Yeah. The coolest Asian person I know, which is saying a lot, because I feel like I know a lot of Asians. Oh my god. Well, that's like, that's a lot coming from you. You, I feel like when you walk into a room, there's an energy HBIC has arrived energy. <laughs> really? I remember you had power cringe on your bio for like the longest time. And that's how I saw myself. Like if I like me looking at myself on Zoom, like I try not to look at that portion of the screen. Like I'm already just like Mm-mm-mm. power cringe. <laughs> no, you're you look spectacular. I I do scare myself. Sometimes I look at my reflection, I'm like, oh my god, right now my hair looks very oompa loompa. I was oh, like, I'm going to curl the bottom. Oompa Loompa is now Bushwick, though, so. Oh, maybe. Maybe it's ironic. It's on purpose. Yeah. Oompa Loompa slash Lord Farquaad. <laughs> it's giving Lord Farquaad right now. But he's in now, too. <laughs> like, you just can't stop winning. You're naming all these people that are just, they're just Big all head, in. small body. <laughs> That's my thing. That's my vibe right now. <laughs> Um, we, you said that right before we started recording, you mm-hmm. said your goal for this year is to get the biggest ass possible. Oh, yeah. What What does that mean? You're doing squats? Yeah, squats. Just like every single day, I have like that goal, you know, I'll just like put on a show and I'll go to work building my glutes. And it's like the only, yeah. it's the only, it's the only goal I have this year. I don't have anything in terms of like career ambitions i don't have anything in terms of personal goals like i just want like when i walk into a room i want people to be like terrified of how big it is i don't think i can get it there because i'm like physically i'm just like not someone with like a frame like that but i can i can try and that's the only thing i'm working towards nothing else i'm not trying to better myself that's the most important goal in in the world. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm glad that your priorities are straight. And also, I have to say, I've seen your button in person and it is like, it's, notice- it's, it's noticeable. Oh, really? Yes. I like how you see me. I took I'm notes. just really going to try to see me how you see me. <laughs> it exudes power. Yeah. <laughs> like, like I want it to be person. like big enough where it'll just <laughs> knock stuff over you know like without yes. me noticing like i'll just turn and it'll just go like through everything just yes everything is off the shelf you want to be banned from the china shop they're mm-hmm. like no mm-hmm. she can't come in she'll turn around and knock all the teapots over again yeah exactly good okay um 
Also, I noticed, I feel like one of the last times I saw you, you were wearing those Nike shorts that I also have that I feel like are really good. Those like really short Nike. If anyone's listening and knows what I'm talking about, they have the band across the top to say Nike Pro. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Nike. You know all the tricks. Yeah. I do. Well, I'm really glad that you're focusing on your uh, butt dreams this year. But, you know, you are a journalist. You, I love your articles because i feel like your take is always kind of the take that asians want to hear and i've been trying to implement this like topical conversation in each of my episodes yeah and i saw that you wrote something about maui and these so this is one of the stories where i feel like you know something blows up in the news and then i like don't read about it and then i hear people's like accounts but i don't actually know what's going on so can you just like give us the gist of like what you wrote about that's happening in maui yeah i've been covering maui for the past like i guess it's been almost a month or maybe Mm. over a month since uh the fires initially started but it's um it's interesting because there's so many different kind of side or actually, like, I would say background context to this that's, like, so mm-hmm. integral to, you know, what we're seeing now. So, first off, there's kind of this conversation around sovereignty. You know, mm-hmm. like, Hawaii mm-hmm. is, if you've ever seen it on the map, it is nowhere close to the continental United States. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, when uh, Hawaii became a so-called state, and that's, like, you know... Things like that are kind of uh, contested as well. Hawaii, way back in the day, um, you know, was actually a nation state. I think that there is this sort of idea that Hawaii is like a tribal, like it was a tribal government and community, but it was actually already a recognized nation state by several Mm -hmm. different, you know, other countries. Um, And so when the U.S. kind of orchestrated this coup... And then, you know, overthrew its queen, it was done through a resolution. And basically a resolution is something like internal. It's kind of like if we were to pass like a young me day where we just have a day Mm. where we celebrate you, you know, it's kind of like national whoever day. And it's like something that you only do within the government. But obviously, if we do that, it's not like it's applicable in Canada. So a lot of yeah. people argue that that's like not a resolution has no grounds in Hawaii since it was a totally other different nation state. Mm. But anyway, so yeah. that's why there's this whole other context around like, can we even say that it is colonized when it was illegally annexed, you know, and all this yeah. other stuff. But then basically because of U.S. presence there, there's all these corporations that went and kind of established, you know, the sugar plantations and that economy. And eventually mm-hmm. after diverting the waters and sh- the, the sugar and pineapple uh, plantations kind of like fell out of favor, they turned into a kind of tourism industry. So that's kind mm-hmm. of what we're seeing now. This is the reason yeah. Why there are so many tourists in Hawaii? There's so it's a reason why their economy is so. That's such a huge part of the economy. 
And that's also why a lot of people say that it became so dry in Lahaina that there was this giant fire. It ultimately right. goes back to like American corporate presence there. Um, mm. So, you know, it for a lot of people who saw tourists there, it was kind of this idea that like, okay, this place is your playground. You can just like come and go as you please. But for Native Hawaiians, like, this is our ancestral land. This is our ancestral ground. This is our nation. So you have people who are able to kind of leave the devastation behind. And then you have other people who have to contend with, you know, this deep history of American corporate presence and what happens when you have this, like, huge tourism industry there. So the piece is really about like these two different stories. It's like tour- tourists who were able to leave and then also were kind of some feel were prioritized in the evacuation process. And then you right. have Native Hawaiians who like the the one of the victims that I was speaking to who like it was so difficult, I think, to find people to talk to in the first couple of days, not because they didn't want to talk, but because they physically could not talk. You would start kind of like your account of what happened and then there'd just mm. be tears and there'd be no way to like get the words out because to have not only just your house, but your town gone, I think is so shocking. And then also... Yeah the man who I had been talking to just kind of mentioned, you know, every year when the flowers bloom, these elderly people, um, our neighbors like would give us flowers from their yard and we went back and we know that they didn't make it. And they would just be like contending with the very fact that everything they ever have ever owned is just like, gone and trying to create this sense of normalcy for their kids and trying to make it feel like okay maybe it wasn't you know don't remember this as like such a traumatic thing it's you know like the guy I was talking to said like he want his he wanted his daughter to remember it as a time that she didn't have to go to school and people were really nice to them and like trying to give them aid but you know the reality is he was dragging her through the streets like physically running from the fire and it encroached on that next neighborhood that they reached you know so it it was such a like it was a really it's it's a really really difficult topic to report on because it's there's so many different complicated issues and even reporting on it you know from new york and knowing that i am not native hawaiian i do feel like you know i do recognize my own limitations and that it's it was important to just talk to as many people as I could that are just from there, you know, from Hawaii, who could give that truthful, honest account, you know. And have but, their voices heard. Yeah, exactly. And it, it was devastating. I think there were so many people telling me, you know, like, we are trying to recover our dead. We are trying to recover our people. And we look out into the ocean. There's people trying to like snorkel and scuba dive. Mm, like you don't understand like yeah. the death here, you know? So it was kind of that sort of dissonance that was just, I mean, it, I, it, that was a really, really difficult thing to kind of work on because I, I think that as much as we are able to, 
conceptualize the grief, it's never going to really reflect how people are feeling right now because it just it's so horrible, you know? You know what I think is so important and interesting about how you are your narrative on this event is you're tying in this long discussion that I think Native Hawaiians have been having for so long about the harm of the tourist industry and the history of how that came about. Because like the island was like self-sufficient, you know, it's like one of these places where things just grow out of the ground and you can eat. And the corporate presence and like all the long history of colonization destroyed that. You know, it's the point where you were seeing like maybe there's like a large reason that it was so dry and the wildfires did happen was because of that sort of presence where the earth was sort of destroyed by these like this long history of plantations and then, you know, like stuff like that, which then transitioned into Americans turning it into a industry, like an economy solely based on tourism and then I remember the few times I've been to Hawaii twice and it was years ago. I think the last time I was there was like nine or 10 years ago. Um, and I remember just thinking like everything that I ate was like shipped in, you know, yeah. and I was like, why is that? Because I feel like we, they could grow stuff here. And it makes sense that um, that was sort of destroyed as part of like, it's like. It's almost like I I don't know how much of this was like on purpose from the American government, but it's like almost like they had to make them unable to be self-sufficient so they can rely on the American government for this other industry like tourism. And yeah, it was. Yeah, it was definitely I don't know how intentional, but it was definitely, you know, what what those involved in the sovereignty discussions like talk about is that it was allowed by the american government that they have these what they call the big five corporations that just kind of you know depleted the area of its resources like for thousands of years lahaina and maui's you know were home to wetlands like it was known as the venice of Mm. you know the west or whatever and so now um, knowing that the grasses were just so dry and so depleted, all the water was diverted. And this is like what a lot of Native Hawaiians are saying. The water was diverted to places like golf courses, you know, luxury hotels, like things that are specifically for tourists. As soon as these kind of sh- sugar uh, corporations moved into real estate and tourism. And so it's kind of like, you know, they say that you can really just draw a line from what's happening now directly to, you know, way back, um, I think it was 1893 when, um, you know, the queen was overthrown. So you can kind of see that none of this is, yeah, yeah, it's direct. And, um, you know, it's also interesting because that context is, it's difficult, I think, for a lot of journalists to kind of go there because then you have to start asking, you know, what is the official stance of everything and what are you able to publish and whatnot? Mm-hmm. And it kind mm-hmm. of all belongs in the conversation. So it's, yeah. yeah. It's a very important part of the conversation. Also, it's... um 
I think it's like what you know when I started hearing all of this discourse on Native Hawaiians and people that live in Hawaii that don't want tourists to come in I would constantly hear American people being like well how are you going to make money then that's the only way you can make money and the the backstory of that is that they their economy was like diverted into being dependent on that industry when it was not before so it's almost like people are like well how are you gonna continue living if you're not part of the scam that we made you do do you know what i mean yeah yeah. it's like no we can we need to like invest in going back to like the way things were before american involvement that is all so interesting and you know i really like how you how how you cover the story because it like breaks down that connection and it, Mm. it like really sheds a light on that portion of the discussion which native hawaiians have been trying to tell us is the most important part you know what i mean yeah, like yeah. that really makes sense now like when you say it in that way yeah um, it's, um and, yeah yeah it is so we just published a piece today kind of about mm-hmm. like another portion of that it's like why there are so many filipino immigrants in that area and a lot of that also has to do with these same corporations you yeah. know, after the Spanish-American War, where they went to, you know, the Ilocos region of the Philippines to recruit these men to work on, you know, these plantations. Yeah. And it's kind of like you're seeing a lot of these same issues. You know, activists have been saying you're seeing issues replicated in different areas of the world. Yeah. And, you know, it's kind of these same populations that are really being impacted over and over and it's like just so it's it's just very interesting how little attention or how how little this comes up in like kind of that mainstream conversation around Hawaii you know Mm -hmm. um because yeah I think that there is this sort of I, I think it's like the federal government has a certain there are certain I guess, like, the focus on aid is also really sticky right now, you know, because mm. that that kind of idea that, like, okay, so now we are, you know, allegedly part of this government, but mm. it's so decentralized and you guys are all the way over there. So how is this going to work? You know, it's like there's yeah. so many other conversations that need to happen. But yeah. Yeah, it just and it also reminds me of how things play out when catastrophes like this happen. It's like, oh, we got to focus on aid. And it's like it's kind of like the Band-Aid answer. And yes, at this point, we we should focus on that. But it's like, what are, what are we going to do about the like the structural issues that made all this happen? You know, mm-hmm. right. how are we going to correct this wrong that was done like around, you know, over 100 years ago now? Mm-hmm. that led to this catastrophic chain of events you know yeah exactly um well that's like so interesting i think and also kind of i know this is i'm not trying to make light of the situation but the fact the snorkeling tourists that that's just like kind of funny. the fact like that they weren't more <laughs> embarrassed you know is just kind of crazy <laughs> Yeah, aren't they ever embarrassed? They're never embarrassed. No, no. Those redacted people. (laughs) The redacted people are never redacted. 
never embarrassed never never ashamed i feel like asian people have too much shame and then the redacted people don't have enough um Mm -hmm. but like how funny i i just always think that capitalism and like all the problems that come with it are are terrifying and horrible and obviously destroying our world but then it's also funny in in this like sick way because it's like hey we're destroying this place because of a golf club a a Mm -hmm. golf golfing and that that's the apocalypse cause the apocalypse whoops yeah it's just so (laughs) it's like weird to think about the things that people place value on i think that that's like ultimately Mm -hmm. like the weirdest part of this it's just like you know yeah golf clubs like that's just like golf courses all these things like that like the so the power weird. that luxury hotels had, you know, to kind of just create or contribute to something like this, or even you know, yeah. like I, I think that it's it's also just interesting because I, for Asians, yeah. you know, obviously there there's always been wealth disparities, but at the same time, I think that there is a little bit more of like culturally, I think that we. We find value in a lot of tiers of things, you know, because this mm. is why we don't, this is why we don't waste rice, you know, this is why we don't waste food. This is why we will eat leftovers for, you know, the next two weeks. It's, you know, it's the reason why a lot of times, like we have family members who'd rather like tape their broken shoe than get a new one. And it doesn't matter yeah. like how much money you have. <laughs> it's kind of just yeah, like, yeah. Just there's like, value in a lot stuff. of it. Yeah, yeah, and it's like it's interesting. I don't know. I think that's also part of just when you just I don't know, growing up in a in you know, an Asian household and then now seeing how a lot of my white friends live, it's just like it's different. <laughs> it's just you know different. What I, I have to say this one thing that I th- blows my mind because i feel like white people have this idea of themselves as being the most eco-friendly or something and it's the total opposite like america is like the most you know like pollution heavy creating country in the world but like uh this is how i see it. it's like this like neoliberal person buying a 75 dollar water bottle and they're like whoa this is like a reusable water bottle and then my mom using a sprite bottle from 1983 Mm-hmm. to keep her water in she that that you know and like that was gonna go in the landfill anyway and like and then if you ever say something if i say that to a white person they're like well there's chemicals in the sprite bottle i'm like that sounds yeah. like a capitalist lie that the 75 dollar water bottle company told you but yeah we definitely reuse plastic or just like straight up put yeah. soup in a plastic bag <laughs> like stuff like that that's probably not that's probably not good for yeah that probably yeah that's probably thing yeah we we gotta stop doing that that's plastic soup right there but yeah i agree with the whites on that one oh but um also i i just want to touch on this because i i feel um a little hypocritical because i know that like east asian people have also done stuff to the pacific islands and Mm -hmm. hawaii and it's not all like uh it's not all rainbows and cherries but I, I, you know, when I, this is very off topic, but I'm just going to say this as somebody that's half white and half Asian, Mm -hmm. my, my least favorite kind of 
a half white half asian person is the person that like grew up in hawaii and like pretends to be hawaii like native hawaiian oh yeah i'm yeah. like no you're not you're like that's white. a thing that you're white is and japanese <laughs> i mean you're hawaiian because definitely... you're from hawaii that's that's all you but you're not like native hawaiian <laughs> yeah and there's like a those people are always the ones who want to talk after a disaster. And that's, that's always been interesting. Like, like that's definitely happened a couple times in like my search to speak with, you know, the victims. It's like, yeah, that's, yeah, that's definitely happened. I can't go into all of it, but met a couple of those along the way. I feel like there's like so many Asians that do that because I think the like the global idea of what a Hawaiian person looks like now because of like Billabong or something like Billabong <laughs> models they were, yeah. they were all just like these yeah. like Asian like half Japanese yeah. people and we're like oh that's what a Hawaiian person looks like I'm like come on you're from Ohio you just moved there for college yeah um, yeah Billabong and Paxson that is so real Pac like Sun. I. Yeah, I think that there is a, it's, I think that because when people start reporting on this story, um, the Asian American Journalists Association had to like release this kind of statement. I think it was with the like native Hawaiian journalists who like, they broke down like, what can you call Hawaiian? Like Hawaiian does mm. not mean you're just from Hawaii. Hawaiian yeah. means like, you know, you're native Hawaiian and there are for sure either people hiding behind it or like yeah. organizations using that wrong. And that it's kind of just like exposed just how little people knew about Hawaii, but also yeah. just like how much others wanted to kind of own it, own it. Right. And there yeah, is this sort of privilege it. in doing that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, it's like, I think, I feel like a few years, maybe it was like two years ago, there was like a Hawaiian movie in the works and the lead actress was like just half Chinese and half white. And I think yeah. she wasn't even from Hawaii. And they were like, she can't play a native Hawaiian. Like, There was that Emma Stone movie. Oh my God. Emma Stone playing yeah. a Hawaiian person? And it was called Aloha, but she was... <sighs> But her name was Allison Ng, so that was like a Chinese person. So I, that that whole thing is like a whole other like ten layers of Scarlett Johansson. But it was on? just yeah, it didn't work. And she said, I remember someone made a joke about that at one of the like Oscars or one of those like awards shows, and she just screamed out like sorry, <laughs> as if that was enough. But she knew. Well, at least she feels bad. Maybe she yeah. is Asian. She feels bad. She feels shame. Shocker. <laughs> Are we sure she's not Asian? That's true. <laughs> um, well, that's like, that was like such a great insight. I kind of want, like, feel like I just want to ask you about the news and like hear your take because I feel like your take is just so educated and so precise. But I'm going to ask you, what is your sad story? I thought. Yeah, I thought about this for a while, and I'm going to go with, like, a light, sad story. Only because I feel like life this year has been so, like, we're in it, you know? So it's like, yeah. once we're out of it, I can laugh at this. But, like, for now, I'll just go with something lighter. Um, mm -hmm. And 
So when I was younger, my, like, I want to say this was in, like, I think third grade. Mm-hmm. I think I was in third grade. Um, already, like, kind of the weird kid at school because my sister and I had skipped second grade. Mm. And we still to this day don't really know how that worked. We just got a call from the principal and, like, they made us take a test. And, like, they were like, okay, you're reading at a sixth grade level, but you're Mm. in second grade. So it's just, like, you need to, like, move. Or else, like, I don't know if it's, like, an attention span thing or it's, like, I don't know, kids struggle when they're not, like, when they're bored or I don't know. But, like, we just ended up moving... And so it was hard because you just lose all your friends that you're, like, growing up with. And then you're, like, in this class where everyone just looks bigger and everything. Um, Yeah. And at the time, um, so for most of my life, my mom has struggled with, like, extremely severe depression. And so it was Mm. always really, really difficult for her to get up, you know, um, just wake up in general uh and so you know it was a december day i want to say and it just starts snowing like crazy upstate snow and back back then we would get like a foot you know and it, that it wouldn't be like crazy it was just upstate new york you get a ton and ton ton of snow um and i remember at the time the idea was just if you are you know if if you're in this class we know that the snow is coming down and your parents are just going to hear the like whatever thing on the radio everyone's gonna know and they're just gonna pick you up and I was just like thinking to myself like I know because like my dad is working my mom's probably still in bed no one's gonna come get me I just know it and so you just watch like all these kids like start filing out And then an hour later, it's, like, me and my sister, like, standing in, like, the courtyard, and I'm, like, holding onto my trombone. (laughs) Like, I start playing, and we're waiting and waiting, and literally nobody comes to get us. Like, this Mm. is, like, an hour or two later. Um, And I remember just thinking, like, you know, at that time, it was really difficult for me to figure out, like, is this something is my family going through something like, is it off or is it like an Asian thing? Cause there were no other Asians around. And so half the mm-hmm. time kids would attribute like the strangeness to our Asianness, And then half the time I think like, Oh, maybe it's just my parents. And so I, I think that at that point it was so confusing to think like, Oh, do they like, they're not gonna, they're not going to come get us. They're not going to be here. We're going to look so weird to all these people just standing here by ourselves, like in the snow as it's coming down. And, Mm. you know, it's like, I can't tell, like, is it because like we're Asian? I have no idea. And so finally, after like, after we were like the last ones left there for a long, long time, like a, a staff member who we had grown up with, who like lived down the street from us when we were younger, like just came and we were just like, okay, I'll just drop you off at home. But it was like a weird, like the, the confidence that these teachers had that everybody like would just be there. Everyone's parents would just be there for them. Like Mm -hmm. still to this day, just blows my mind. Like, how do you know people don't have 
issues at home, you know? It's like, mm. like, how do you not know? But yeah, for some reason, that's like a thing that I think about from time to time. Whenever it's like snowing, it's like me and my trombone outside, yeah. <laughs> like just waiting for my parents to come get me. But yeah, that I guess that would be my sad story. Well, and then, but the teachers were right because everyone did get picked up except you, right? Yeah, yeah, That's... everyone did get picked up, which is crazy. Like, the fact that their parents were, like, had the radio on listening to, like, updates around the school. Mm. And then I just knew in my heart, I was, they, like, I remember raising my hand to ask to use the phone. They're like, nope, they're just going to come get you. And I was like, oh, my God, you have no idea what's going on in my house. Like, yeah, that's just not going to happen. Well, there's like so many interesting parts to the story. I think first, first of all, what is it about your parents forgetting to pick you up? So traumatizing. Yeah. I think all of us have at least one memory of this. I have multiple, but like that is the worst thing that can happen i feel like to a kid i don't know what that feeling is i think it's like yeah. very like primitive it's like yeah it's a penguin kinda... waiting for the penguin mom to come back but your penguin mom died got eaten by a seal yeah and so you're waiting in the snow and your <laughs> yeah. mom doesn't come back and you're gonna die you know yeah like... exactly except this is like worse this is like this feels like they don't want to come get you. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I also think there's something about having it all on display. Like, it's so conspicuous whose parents are coming to see them, like, coming to get them and whose aren't, you know? And it just almost yeah. feels like, oh, like, ugh, my parents, like, aren't the ones that are, like, care, you know? When it's, like, it's generally not that. And I think that now mistake, looking... Yeah. Yeah, it's, like, looking back, I have a very, very different, like, view of that. Like, I remember when, like, people would say stuff like, oh, your mom just likes sleeping so much. And, like, I would just think to myself, like, oh, this is what they think she's doing. She's just, mm-hmm. like, like lazy sleeping all day. Yeah. yeah, when it's, like, she was so, so depressed. And it was one of those things where when you get older and you can't get out of bed, like, you finally you understand. have that moment. Yeah, when you're just paralyzed and... It was like that for years, but it, like, we don't, we don't have that knowledge of what that even is. Like, we're yeah, just no. like, okay, she's just like tired, you know? Well, well, my dad was severely depressed when I was a kid, so he, it was the same mm-hmm. thing. And my mom didn't have the knowledge or the language for it. So she just kept being like, he's really lazy. And yeah. so as a kid, I was like, why is my dad so lazy? But because he was depressed, I had a lot of incidents like yours where he like couldn't get out of bed to pick me up so he'd be like an hour late and yeah. it would always like it would be constant and then i kept thinking like what my mom was thinking like oh why is he so lazy that he can't even like come get me and now it's like humiliating i was standing right. outside with my clarinet not my trombone which is <laughs> i would say probably better because it's smaller but it was still pretty heavy squidward squidward yeah I was Squidward um but no that's like that's so it's like a it's a weird thing because even then you know we're just like kids even then we're already learning to internalize it we're not like oh it's like they forgot it's like oh god there's something wrong with me and everyone is gonna think that we're weird you know it's just like yeah can I ask what was your parents reaction after that what were they like 
sorry or like did they acknowledge it or i i don't know i don't, don't even remember. i don't think that sh- there was a reaction i think my dad mm. probably like stopped by i mean my dad like the thing about him is that he is like a, a fun dad like one of those yeah. people who like you don't see a ton but when you see him it's mm. only a good time mm. it's only like a party and so he gets away <laughs> with kind of just like okay mm. i'm like the cool guy and like you're you're gonna love me because there's no i'm never gonna like i'm never gonna yell at you there's no yeah. discipline there's none of that you know and, but then mm-hmm. we saw our mom be really depressed for all of our lives so it's kind of just like you know it's a weird thing where you can't it's hard to figure out where our parents were even at that time because their dynamic was first of all very separate you know and second Mm. of all like they were they you know i think my dad benefited in one way and then my mom like got the brunt of our resentment because we just saw so much of it you know yeah 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 well it's interesting because like yeah my dad would never pick us up on time and we would be like an hour late because he was depressed yeah. and my mom was calling him lazy so i was like mad at him i was like why are you so lazy why can't you just pick me up on time and then yeah. my mom would also just forget but she was the fun time person so she yeah. would pick us up an hour late all the time and then have like mcdonald's and she'd be like fuck yeah time for mcdonald's and i'd be like yeah, yeah exactly. i love my mom but then thinking back i'm like yeah they, they were both fucking up why wasn't i mad at my mom yeah, you know, yeah. like if I was mad at my dad, I just want to say that as an as a parent, I got pickup times wrong before mm-hmm. for me now. One one time, it was the first day of I think second grade, and mm-hmm. you know, like the first day they usually have have like an earlier pickup time, but I didn't read the email. It was me and his dad, obviously, uh, and we both didn't read the email, so we got there like. 30 minutes late and he was the only kid in the playground oh my with the God. teachers and I felt so bad I was like I'm so sorry and like oh, we were like hugging him like I felt so <laughs> bad because <laughs> yeah it's like now having that consciousness like that flashback of like oh my god it's happening again but yeah, yeah it's yeah I like, in the times that we've hung out, I like watching you with Mino. Because it's, like, it's always given me a lot of hope that, like, we do we do stuff differently. We don't, we're not, like, we don't look at all like our parents, you know? Like, yeah. you can literally just, like, completely, like, obviously we have a lot of that trauma and we're working through it. But there is mm. a way to not put that on your kid. Like, there is 100% yeah. a way to not do that. So... And what I learned in therapy, because, you know, obviously, I feel like people, when they become parents, have that fear of becoming their parents to their kids. Yeah. But what I learned in therapy is that, okay, like, human beings fuck up. Like, they're, you're going to get the pickup time wrong. You might forget whose turn it is to pick him up, whatever. Mm-hmm. But what's important is that when that happens, and the reason I asked you, like, do you remember what your parents did after, is how you react to you making a mistake, like owning up, apologizing to your child, that's going to impact them way more oh, uh, yeah. positively than thinking that you're never going to make the mistake. You know, like, unfortunately, mm-hmm. everyone's going to fuck up once in their life and probably forget to pick up their kid. But I think how that you that react. Is like, yeah. yeah. 
that is just so that is so key and i think that that is why it's hard for a lot of us to move on because our parents generation yeah. are just they won't the apologize ones. They're yeah. not the ones. And, like, I also think that to some degree, like, when you do go through a very traumatizing experience and then you are then forced to immigrate and then you're, like, trying to have a family but you're very confused, which is, like, kind of, like, what happened to my mom where she was just in a haze. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I know that she really literally does not remember things, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I remember, you know, we've, I remember her saying, like, I, I wish I, like, had that experience of, like, holding a baby. Mm. And sometimes I'm like, well, you had two. But at the same time, I know that that means that she doesn't remember it. She cannot remember it because she was in such a fog those years. Yeah. That a lot of that was hard. Like, she'll see other people with their children now and get sad. Like, oh, I wish... I wish I could have that. Like, I, I wish I could, like, feel that, you know? Mm-hmm. And, yeah, part of me is very, is, is super sad for her because that is a, like, that's a really beautiful time. And, like, she's never going to be able to, like, excavate those memories because it was just so, I think she was really traumatized in those years. Yeah. And it's like, you know, the way that you're speaking about all the stuff that your parents went through, I feel like is a very common way that a lot of Asian people think about like their parents. If they happen to be like immigrant parents or lived a life that was way harder than theirs. It's like, yeah, I'm hurt and I was traumatized and hurt by my parents, but it's because they were going through something painful and they weren't doing it, you know, obviously on purpose. It was just that they were dealing with mental illness from their own hardship. So it's like, it's such a it's such a hard place to be because it's like part of you obviously the child part of you deserved to have a parent that like was aware and showed up for you to pick you up but then the adult part of you is like oh my mom was going through such a like traumatizing time that she can't even remember parts of her life and she she couldn't experience this like happy memory so it's like these two parts of you you know like one is sad that you didn't receive the parenting that you deserve the child part and then the adult part is like feeling like your parents are your kids almost you know yeah it's a weird like because i think that our generation has that yeah that like macro level kind of like like, we can assess everything that happened because we have, like, context, we have language, and now we have, like, we have the power to even, like, verbalize a lot of this. Like, the fact that we're talking about this now to each other and, like, yeah, you know, like, saying out loud, like, we had this horrible experience and it, like, screwed me up and, like, it was really traumatizing. Like, that's something that our parents won't have and don't have you know but at the same time it's like a huge burden because we have to give them grace that they don't necessarily also have or are not able to have you know like their their limits like and this is something that I actually talked about with my mom and like 
my dad is a really, really happy guy. Like, he literally mm-hmm. told me one time, like, if no one else in the world loved me, I would still love myself. Like, my dad's the happiest man on earth. When he hears any sort of bad news, bad anything, he just gets up and leaves the table. Mm, and, like, interesting. for him, interesting. it's like, yeah. my mom was like, maybe that's, like, all he can do. Maybe that's, like, literally where he stops. Like, that's all he can do. And, like, to me, it's like, I understand, like, it's, I understand that, like, a lot of this is coming from, like, just praying and hoping that your life in the United States is going to be better, you know? It's, like, it's, like, not fun to be a restaurant worker your entire life, to be in front of the walk, but, like, to have good things happen and to wish and hope and they start happening and to, like, breathe one day and see that it's not all beautiful around you is a really difficult thing. And so I think that he's always wanted to preserve that. He's always yeah. wanted to preserve his happiness. At the same time, like, that doesn't mean that everyone around him has that same outlook. And that doesn't yeah. mean that, like, people around him have not been hurt, you know? And so, like, yeah. I, I think that we are, you know, oftentimes hurt by our parents. But because we have this, like, this bigger view of everything that happened, like, we have to maybe sometimes alone, you know, like think about these things. It's very not even like voice them. It's like, you know what I think now, especially after having a kid, it's the hard part of being a child of like parents that were traumatized and their trauma maybe showed up in ways that were, uh, I'm not saying your parents are abusive, but like maybe abuse or you weren't getting something from your parents. It's like, there's two things. Not only do you have to, uh, swallow all of the pain that you receive from your parents. Um, and uh, in a lot of ways, you know, I, I know I already mentioned this, but in a lot of ways, it's like you're being the parent to them because they're unable to uh, emotionally support you. So you're doing that for them. And then if you have kids, you have to do that again. So it's like yeah. to, to, to stop the cycle of like trauma and like abuse being passed down through generations, the person that stops it not only has to absorb all of the pain that they receive uh, and then like, but then also not do it. It's like you're, you're like doing two things, you know, you're, yeah. like, you're parenting two generations. Yeah. You know, it's to like stop the continuation that, of twice the abuse. that burden. Yep. Yeah. But also and I want to say, can I just say really quickly? Sorry. What were you going to say? Oh, no, no, no. It, it really just like, thinking about everything that you've because like because I've seen you with Mino I feel like like seeing that and seeing like how much like it was like very even tempered like you can just like explain reason and everything is like very joyful and that was like to me it was so eye-opening because it just made me feel like oh my god I can't wait like I can be a parent one day like this is a real thing that people don't have to like be shitty to their kids but at the same time I don't think it actually occurred to me like how heavy that is that your expectations like our expectations for ourselves are up here you know Uh and like there is that sort of like weight that is so heavy like exactly as you're saying on our generation because we have awareness it's like awareness is such a great thing but it's also such a burden 
But you know, I think for sure it's like a burden. It's like mm-hmm. we we do have to do twice the work. But also the other end of that is because of the awareness, it's like it comes very easy and naturally to have a kid and not do those things. It's like mm-hmm. the reason, you know, I got really deep into therapy after Mino was born specifically because I was like, I can't continue this pattern. So I don't yeah. know what's going on with me, but I got to figure this out. So this does not happen to him. And so in in a lot of ways, it's like very easy to parent Mino. And you know, it's hard for me to be like, I'm a great parent because I, I obviously fuck up. All, I forgot to pick him up then one day, but like, but um, <laughs> it, it also is like easy in the way that, it's almost like you know exactly what you needed because you did the work, right? And like mm-hmm. excavated that. Um, and so, yeah, it's surprising for me to hear that like you are saying that you were concerned about that, having your own kids. And I just want anyone listening, you know, if they have gone through the same thing and if that is a concern, like you're you're not your parents you're going to fuck up your kids in a way that you have not even imagined yet. So like, <laughs> it's not going to be the way your parents did. Like, I'm, I'm sure Mino's going to have a lot of words for me when, when he's an adult. Like, you did this. And I'm going to be like, yeah, I did that. Um, but oh, can I just say really quick, because mm-hmm. what, what you said about your dad, I think is like interesting because uh, how you said that anything negative, he like repels away from it. Yeah. And your mom is like the opposite where she like dwells in it. And I feel like those two uh, responses to trauma are really fascinating because to me, it sounds like your dad behaves in that way in response to trauma, you know? And so he's like out of it's out of his control that that's just how he is able to like capable of like uh, living through it. Like that's just how his brain is surviving. And that's how your mom's brain is surviving. I think that's really interesting. Yeah, it is. Who can blame them? Yeah, it's hard. Like, yeah. And again, like, we know, we understand that this is just all kind of that. It's like a protective mechanism, you know? It's just like toxic joy and like, you know, toxic negativity. They're all just like both like two sides of the same coin, you know? But that's fascinating. It is also just interesting because everybody just growing up or even like any time I ever interview someone about their dad, it's just yeah. always sounded so different from my Asian dad, you know, because my mm-hmm. dad is like so like Positive. even even when my partner met him, it was like an overwhelming like I didn't know a man could get that like loud and like party and be like that when they're like 60 something, you know, it's like I, it's just like very shocking yeah. to people <laughs> and like you know, it's, like, later on, you kind of realize, like, it's not, like, a, it is just, like, a function of, like, how he grew up and what he never, ever wanted to see again. Like, I, you know, it's just, like, your parents go through things like famine, and you know that they never, ever, ever want to be hungry again, you know? They go through things, like, you know, I I remember my dad saying stuff, like, he just, like, paid someone to see if he could have, like, a taste of butter for the first time. And, like, stuff like that was so just, like, (laughs) sacred to him. And now he only, he only eats, like, dairy, basically. So it's, Mm. like, it's all just, like, you know. That's my mom's banana story. She was, like, bananas were so expensive because they, like, they were new to Korea (laughs) when I was a kid. So we got one 
uh, only on special occasions, like my dad's birthday. I was like, that's so, like the oh. biggest holiday of the year isn't your birthday. It's your dad's birthday. <laughs> Aww, <laughs> Who cares if it's bananas. your birthday? You get nothing. We get a banana for dad's oh. birthday. Um, yeah, but I think that also reminds me of my parents because like my dad, like your mom had depression. My mom's reaction to anxiety and I think trauma and stuff was just keep working. Like just and i think yeah. that's a lot of asian people they just that like get up at 5 a.m and start sweeping the garage or whatever and uh, and she's just like like buzzing around she like can't stop because i but i think yeah. that was like it took me a while to realize that was like this trauma response of like she doesn't want to stop for a second because all the bad thoughts are gonna come in so she has yeah. to like keep doing stuff no that's you know that is so true yeah my dad's like yeah. that too it's just like yep. get up early when you don't have to and then there's like lots of noise there's just lots yep. of noise in the morning I, you don't know what they're doing but they're doing something and they're always busy and it's like uh and, and like you said my mom is the opposite where she'll sit in her thoughts and they get worse and worse and worse and yeah. it's just like you know this like ball of negativity um and yeah, it's just, it's so fascinating to like, look at that now. Cause in, when yep. you're younger, you're like, one parent is good and one parent is bad. And now That's it's how just I thought like, of it too. Right? Yep. It's yeah. so much more even now. Like it's so much more like, you know, just nothing, nothing is binary basically. Exactly. And also I would argue that like the way that my mom fucked me up was probably way worse than the way that my dad. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, like, yeah. As a kid, I was like, my dad's, my dad's like sucky. Like he won't get out of bed. My mom's like so great and she works really hard. And now I'm like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Um, yeah, isn't it interesting when you like <laughs> realize that you were like yeah. fed a narrative by your parents? Yep. yep. Like you're like consciously fed a narrative. Like, oh my God, my dad's like Santa Claus. Like he's just like, Mm -hmm. only fun only cool and like this is just like you know it's it's just you you accept it for like the longest time it's yeah neither crazy. one was good or bad and mm -hmm. they they both i think the important part to like understand your parents as humans is that neither of them were in control of that behavior it just it's just how they their brains survived yeah, exactly. And it's like the same for us now, you know? It's like yep. not good, yeah. not bad, just really complicated. That's all it is. Yeah. And I'm sure, you know, I would like to think, I think everybody would like to think that whatever ways they do fuck up their kids, it's going to be less than their parents fuck them yeah. up. Hopefully. Knock on wood. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see with Mino's podcast in like 10 years. <laughs> It's going to be about something like the Titanic. He's so obsessed with the Titanic. He's still obsessed with the Titanic. It's like he just looks at like Titanic crash reenactments all day. I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> I feel like kids, like I don't understand kids now. It's like they're all their interests and like TikTok humor. I don't get it at all. It's like oh, everyone's really? a little bit, everyone's a little bit too self-aware. Like sometimes I, I yeah. just want like silly like Will Ferrell baseline humor, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I think one of the interesting things, um, can I talk about this real quick? This is very off topic, but I feel yeah. like I haven't really talked about it in this podcast. One of the interesting things, if you see kids now, like everyone Mino's age on YouTube, they all love ASMR and they all mm. understand it. Like they inherently know the the pleasure of hearing asmr 
Um, I, I'm just going to explain it in case someone's listening and doesn't know. ASMR, do you know ASMR, what it is? I constantly listen to watch ASMR, especially okay, when me I too. can't sleep. I me listen too. to that wood soup. <laughs> Do you know what oh, I'm talking about? I, yes, I know. I know all the ASMR. It's, Ugh, it's this weird thing where, like, I feel like a lot of people our age, I mean, I'm obviously older than you, but, like, a lot of people still really don't know what it is, even mm-hmm. though it's some of the biggest content on YouTube. But all kids love it now, right? Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, like, oh, it's interesting that all kids understand this, like, sensory thing. But then I remembered being a kid and remembering how overwhelming those sensory things felt for me compared to now. And I'm like, oh, yeah, like when you're a kid, those things are very heightened, you know, like remember just like the feeling of like, like touching a fabric that felt good and that just felt so good. Yeah. And so like like, slime, any type of slime, I feel like you would just like play with it forever or clay or something like that. Yeah, so of course they all get ASMR, but um, yeah, that's what I was into too. I think it's so, because the whole, like, especially with mukbangs where it is, like, half of it, the appeal is ASMR, and then the other half is just like, oh, you don't have to eat alone. I love that so much. Like, that's such a beautiful concept to me. (laughs) And it's like, it's not like we're addicted to the computer. It's literally just like, okay, sometimes you need a friend and you want to eat with a friend. Yeah. I love that. And um, it's so funny. The last funny thing about the ASMR thing is that, like, uh, Mino's dad, like, Mm. doesn't get it. And, like, I think people who don't get ASMR... They're, they think it's like something weird and sexual or something oh i've heard that and it's like oh no it's I like the it. furthest thing from sexual feeling ever yeah. and it's, but it is hard to explain because sometimes i'll watch an asmr video and it's like a woman like that looks very pretty being like i'm gonna give you a massage and it, like oh, i get yeah. it like okay i can see how somebody would think it's sexual even though that's not at all what it is so mino's dad like won't let him watch like his like little fun asmr <gasps> channels he's like what is this this is weird and i'm like danny no. it's soothing <laughs> it is soothing it's like so, it's you would you would fall asleep to something like that you know i always play it when i sleep like every right. every single night i'll send you some of my favorites oh yeah i the need hits. them all i just i keep relying on the same wooden soup like little tiktok channel or like there, there's one. also one where they put like the slime on top of the <gasps> microphone i love that one yes i love, I love, I love that love it sounds <laughs> so soothing it like melts my brain but um so i was ta- i think i was talking about this before but there are the, it's this is like where it gets like deranged but there are asmrs where it's like your best friend comes over because you're sad and she brought you your favorite snacks from 7-Eleven. Like, they have ASMRs <laughs> like that. <laughs> and I'm like, and they're just like, I'm here for you. I'm sorry you're feeling bad. I got you <laughs> your favorite Slurpee. And, like, she's taking it out of the plastic bag. Funyuns. And oh, my then, God. And they say stuff like, it's going to be okay. <laughs> like, Oh I'm like, okay, this is this That is, is nice. yeah, that's interesting. That's just like kind of creating a new reality, you know? Yeah. It's like borderline 
something. <laughs> it, is a it makes me sad that there's like some teenage kid out there watching it. Like it's funny for me, but it's like I hope like there's like not some actual lonely kid fantasizing about having a best friend <laughs> like that's, that's so sweet <laughs> there probably is i feel like because you know we came up when there was just like the it was like the genesis of like the internet and then all these online forums you know do you remember yeah. like talking to strangers who were probably yes. like 50 but we didn't know that when we were I was just 13 like, yeah right like i love yeah. my chemical romance but it's like the other people on the other side were not you know, our age, probably. And it probably is a lot of the same things, except I guess this is safer because they're just videos. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm sure it's like so much worse now. That's a totally different long conversation. They need this. This generation needs their own Chris Jensen to catch a predator. Is oh. that his name? Chris Hansen. Chris Hansen. <laughs> Chris Hansen. I saw, okay, Chris those are Hansen. all over TikTok too. And I saw one where he caught someone he knew, like he's <gasps> a real estate agent. Did you really? see that one? Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to look it up right after yeah, this. You have to. Oh, he, like, um, like he was like, he was like Ted or something like that. And he like recognized the person. <laughs> so I've never crazy. seen that one. Yeah. Oh. Wow. That's rough. It is, it is. Really rough. I mean, all of them are like it's kind of like, oh, it's so it's, it's so, so gross. It's so well, gross. It's so creepy how like normal it, how common it is. Not normal, common. Mm -hmm. That's what's so creepy. They're always bringing like a six pack. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, a six pack and gummy worms. Oh my always god, a six pack, and it's like. I feel like there's been more than one where the person thought it was a good idea to wear a cowboy hat. Like, it's just, like, that type of person. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then there was one where the guy, uh, when he arrived, he was naked. Oh, God. <gasps> Jail yeah. forever oh, for him. No. Jail. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, no. God, no. People are so creepy. People are disgusting. Oh, God. Anyway, well, I feel like that's a great place to end this episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. A beautiful um, conclusion. Oh, my God. Um, where can our listeners find you online if they want to follow you? Uh, I think I'm Kimmy the Pooh everywhere. I don't know how long all of us are going to be on X, formerly known as Twitter, but like... I'm generally most, I mean, most journalists are active on that. Um, and then, yeah, Kimmy the Pooh, yeah. K-I-M-M-Y-T-H-E-P-O-O-H. It was so good talking to you. Thank you for being here. I know. I love, I discussion. always love chit-chatting. And it really went all the places. <laughs> I it didn't did. think that we'd end up where we ended up. Yeah. Chris Hansen, Chris Han you know when Chris Hansen shows up we're that's done it's a wrap yeah, it's, <laughs> we're going to jail for a long time a yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um you can follow the podcast at harry butthole podcast um <clears throat> i think only on instagram or you can follow me at ym mayor everywhere or young me mayor on tiktok thank you so much for listening and i'll see you in two weeks bye